Hello everyone, I'm Dina. And I'm Charlotte. Welcome to the Grim Curriculum Extra Credit. So, how the hell are you, Dina? I'm good. I can see you in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, she is here. We are here. This is fantastic. Yes, we are here. We are here. We keep saying here like you know where here is. We're actually recording in person for once in a blue moon, which is really nice. We are coming at you loud and clear from the Orange Hub here in Edmonton. We're at the Fava Studios, and they have a wonderful setup here, so we are making the most of it. We have so much room for activities right now. Like, we're so used (laughs) to the blanket forts. This is kind of amazing. And we have a really fun episode today. Yes, we have quite a few stories. I have one kind of main big one, and... It's definitely got a dark undertow to it. You'll see what I did there in a second. It's from a place where my ancestral stomping grounds are, known as God's Own Country. We are, of course, talking about Yorkshire, England. All right. Specifically, a little place called Bolton Abbey in the Yorkshire Dales. For those of you who are listening and you're aware of the Yorkshire Dales, you know they are some of the most picturesque places in the UK, if not the world. It's truly gorgeous out there. But with all of these wild places, if you've got a little wilderness to you, you got a little darkness to you. And there's some dark history here. And I suggest you all look this up because I just Googled it and I already want to go and I already know I'm going to be in danger if I do. The way I explain it is it almost looks like if you're near Bolton Abbey, There's the River Wharf, and that cuts across the Yorkshire Dales. And like I said, it's some of the most picturesque stuff. You could imagine hobbits sitting on the banks with their fishing rods, little picnic baskets maybe. I spent time here as a kid. My parents learned how to swim in this river. My grandparents learned how to swim in this river. It's got some history. You're probably thinking, okay, Charlotte, this all sounds very, like, picturesque and beautiful. Not exactly the usual vibes for the Grimm curriculum. Go on. I only tell you all of this wonderful stuff to show you how easy it could be to be lulled into a false sense of security by this unassuming, almost quaint little river. And I'm going to tell you exactly why it's one of the most deadliest bodies of water in the world, This is not an exaggeration. Local rumor says that it has a 100% mortality rate. Okay. If you fall in the strid, you are not getting back out. Dang. It comes from the old English word strith or strife, which means turmoil. So that already gives you an idea of what's going on here. But it was later kind of corrupted to strid. And they think this is probably from striding across because the area that we're talking about of the river is only about six feet wide so people have been known to just hop right over Mm -hmm. it right before i get into kind of the science and the geology of why this is so crazy i'm gonna share with you a little excerpt from the poem it's called force of prayer it's by william wordsworth who is a very famous poet from way way back and he tells the tale of a young noble boy called William de Romilly of Egremont, and he fell into the strid. He was inspired to write it after visiting Bolton Abbey in the area with his sister in 1807, but the actual tragedy happened way back in the 1100s. So the strid has been claiming lives for a very, very long time. So the poem starts, Young Romilly through Barden Woods is ranging high and low, 
and holds a greyhound in a leash to let it slip upon buck or doe. So this young guy, he's running through the woods with his greyhound and he's looking for rabbits and whatnot to go hunting, right? Mm -hmm. Now the pair have reached this fearful chasm, how tempting to bestride, for lordly wharf is there pent in with rocks on either side. This striding place is called the Strid, a name it took of yore. A thousand years hath it borne that name, and shall a thousand more. And hither is young Romilly come, and may now what forbid, that he, perhaps for the hundredth time, shall bound across the Strid? So he's come up to the river that he's jumped across a hundred times, a thousand times, no big deal. He sprang in glee, for what cared he that the river was strong and the rocks were steep? But the greyhound in the leash hung back and checked him in his leap. So young Romilly came up to the river and was going to confidently bound across, but the dog held back and pulled him. And unfortunately, the boy is in the arms of Worf and strangled by a merciless force. For never more was young Romilly seen till he rose a lifeless course. Ooh. So young William's mother was absolutely devastated. She was taken over by despair, and she ordered the construction of a monastery in his memory, and that became Bolton Abbey. It became a monastery, and now it's in ruins. All that to say, this is a very dangerous piece of water, but why? It's actually a series of waterfalls and rapids, and it's really, really narrow. But shortly before the river, it's about 90 feet wide. And what happens is this bottleneck happens. And essentially a very wide, very shallow river becomes very narrow and very deep. So it essentially gets flipped from this to this Mm -hmm. very quickly. And because of this, it creates deadly turbulent water. And when you fall in, it just sucks you right under. And that's why it has this legendary mortality rate. The banks of the river where it appears six feet wide are actually undercut. So if you're standing on the very edge, you're standing on a shelf. You're not standing on solid ground and the water is flowing underneath. That is horrifying. Yeah. So if you fall in, you can't simply climb back out because you go underneath the banks. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. And they've done a lot of testing. Initially, they thought that at some of the deeper spots that it might have been six or seven meters deep, but they've actually done some recent testing and they think it could almost be 165 meters deep. I hate to be this person, but can you imagine all the dead bodies down there? That's the thing is because of the turbulence of the water, basically the force from it going from this wide river to this very narrow channel pushes the water down into these pits and it pushes you down with it. So for the most part, if you get stuck in the strid, what comes out the other end is probably not going to be recognizable anymore because the rocks in there are sharp slippery and they just pulverize you as you're being turned by the current basically oh my god so i want to talk about three stories that have happened historically so we already mentioned young william de romilly and that was uh his death was somewhere between 1163 and 1166 so a very very long time ago but more recently 
the Strid claimed the life of watercolor painter oh. Arthur Reginald Smith, and that was in September of 1934. This is very sad. He set off from his home near Grassington. He wanted to paint the River Wharf because it is so picturesque. He was going to paint the abbey and everything. He never returned home. The police were called, and when they heard that he had gone down to the wharf to paint, they immediately went down. All they found was his easel and his painting bag on the rocks beside the Strid. They found him about 50 yards in a pool from where his equipment was found. And he had slipped into the Strid, and fortunately it did spit him out. But they said that in his younger years, he was known to jump the Strid. And they thought maybe in his older years, he thought, oh, I'm going to give it a go again. And unfortunately, it was the last time he would try it. So he was trying to leap the six feet. Yeah. Genius. Okay. Genius. And people (laughs) apparently do it all the time because heaven forbid you're like, yeah, it couldn't happen to me. Right? It would never no. be me. More recently, in 1998, the Strid claimed the lives of a honeymooning couple, Barry and Lynn Collette. They were on the second day of their honeymoon Aww. in August of 1998 when they set off on a walk near the River Wharf. They were never seen alive again. And because of this, an inquest into their deaths was obviously fired up because, again, of the strange geology of the river flash floods are very common and the river can rise up to five feet in the space of like a minute. They were out walking and unfortunately they were caught in this flash flood. 25-year-old Lynn was found six days later near a weir in Addingham near Ilkley, which is a city some miles away. Her husband, Barry, who was 29 years old, was not found until October of that year. So three months later, and he was 10 miles downstream. So that's really sad. There have been stories of people who have survived, but the deaths make better headlines than, I almost fell in, but then I didn't. (laughs) Right? Like, almost not, though. Yeah, those, those don't tend to stick with people. So if you are near the Bolton Strid and you're looking down into that brown water that's been dyed by the peat in the soil, you may as well imagine that it is a river of flowing lava because you have about the same chance of getting out of it alive. So question about it. Yes. Do they have warning signs? Like, are there, like, signs that are like, don't fuck with this shit, get they, out of here. They very much do. And people are still doing it. Gotcha. Yes, they literally <laughs> say, actually, I wrote it down. So the signs that surround the area state, and they're big red signs, there's no mistaking them, they say, danger. The Strid is dangerous and has claimed lives in the past. Please stand well back and beware of slippery rocks. Oof. Yeah, so that is the Bolton Strid. And again, like I said, my family members learn to swim there. I've been there. Just upstream, I believe. Um, There is the river crossing by Bolton Abbey. There is a bridge, but there's also the stepping stones that go across the water. Oh, that's nice. Me and my sister have run across them many, many times, and we'd usually try to, like, push each other off and all that fun (laughs) stuff. But yeah, spent a sunny summer afternoon hanging out there, not knowing in my childhood that only literally a short ways down the river hundreds of lives have been claimed by this rocky little geographical anomaly. Nature's scary. It is. So yeah, that is the story of the Bolton Strid. And if you are listening out there and you've swam in the Bolton Strid, or probably not the Strid, but the River Wharf near it, I want to hear about it. Did you die in the Strid? Tell us. Yeah. We want to know. Get your Ouija boards out. We'll hear from you from, (laughs) from the other side. 
All right. So nature is scary, <laughs> but Bigfoot is scarier. Ooh, I That's love right. cryptid. That's right. We lot. have a new Bigfoot sighting to talk about. I'm really excited about this because we have pictures. We have video. We got a Facebook status about it. Okay. Like this is a big deal. Okay. Uh, so this was October 8th, 2023. So not too long ago. And I'm going to read you the Facebook status posted by Shannon Parker. It's story time, y'all. On Sunday, October 8, 2023, Stetson, Tyler, and I took the narrow gauge train from Durango to Silverton. After leaving Silverton and heading back to Durango, I asked Stetson to help me look for elk in the mountains. As we are passing by the mountains, Stetson sees something moving and then says, I think it's Bigfoot. <laughs> Brandon, the guy sitting next to Stetson on the train, grabs his phone and starts recording. Meanwhile, I'm trying to get a photo on my camera. Below is the video. Y'all, out of the hundreds of people on the train, three or four of us actually saw, as Stetson says in the video, the ever-elusive creature Bigfoot. I don't know about y'all, but we believe. Hashtag Bigfoot sighting. Hashtag Bigfoot is real. Hashtag Bigfoot. I'm here for it. And I feel like it's almost a magical experience to witness this from the moving window of a train. I want to see Bigfoot. Especially if you're in like Appalachia and stuff in the States. There's some pretty wild and crazy mountain paths that I feel like Bigfoot could be strolling down. That's where he's going to be. So, okay, this thing, I'm going to show you the video in a second. Okay. But this is what we know. Six to seven feet tall. So that kind of, that sounds right. Bigfoot. Uh, Yeah. Big and hairy. Okay. They're calling it a sneaky Sasquatch. Aren't uh, they all though? Right? <laughs> um, so we have photo, we have video. So first I'm going to show you some photos. Um, first one, a little bit blurry. We'll post these on the socials. We'll share them with you guys. This one here, he's he's in the corner there. So again, the first few photos, you're like, ah, I don't know. Okay, I don't know. So I'm going to show Charlotte the video here. And uh, there is certainly a Bigfoot-like creature walking around on the side of this mountain the Y'all. fuck is that? Like, they're saying it's a guy in a Halloween costume, but, like, how'd he get out there? I'm certainly getting, like, sniper in a ghillie suit kind of vibes. I could see that. The thing about the video that's weird is, like, it walks a little bit, and then it sits. I, I don't know if it's, like, taking a shit or what it's doing, but it, like, sits <laughs> down and kind of hunkers over in kind of the bushes, and you can't really see it. I don't know. It, it's an interesting video. I mean, I am a sucker for cryptid sightings. I will always want to see the videos, and we don't get to see clear videos very often, so it's always kind of a treat when we do. I will say the video is quite compelling, but it certainly does look like he's walking along and then he's like, oh, a train. I'm going to sit here and look back at the train. Which I feel like what else would Bigfoot do? He's going to watch. And I mean, at the very least, he's going to be like, eh, no one's going to believe you anyway. Right? And that's what they're saying. They're like, there were uh, like 200 people on this train and only three or four of us saw it. We're so lucky. And I'm kind of just like, maybe the other few hundred people didn't really think it was anything worth looking at. But Right? But there's video. But to me... When we have the quote-unquote, like, authentic cryptid sightings and stuff, it's not a clear video. It's not easily seen. This looks almost too good to be true because this is, like, if you didn't know better, if you were like, this has to be something, that's fucking Bigfoot there. It's from a distance, but the video is very clear. It's certainly not pixelated or blurry in any way. I don't know, man. I'm thinking back to that cryptid we talked about in Texas a few weeks ago. That was like the shittiest picture ever. And like, that's what you're used to, right? I am very curious to see it. Not to get us too bummed out here, but it's not looking good. Surprise, surprise. They're saying it's most likely a hoax. I'm going to choose to believe along with uh, 
Miss Shannon Parker here because I would love it to be real. I hope that this was Bigfoot and if it is, I hope that we leave him the fuck alone and we just move on with our lives. I definitely think, like I said, of the there's wild places, especially in the States, where by all means, there could still be critters that we are not aware of yet. They say there's even people that live in the national parks that don't really make contact with the rest of us. Exactly. So by that logic, yes, he could be there. I don't know that I'm convinced by this particular set of videos, but it does make me a little bit hopeful. You know what? It gets us talking about Bigfoot again, and that makes me excited. I'll take it. Fair enough. Speaking of giant scary monsters. Another one. This time, it's a kangaroo. Uh, yeah, you know, those will get you every time. Apparently they will, because ABC Melbourne posted this not too long ago. Mildura Man fights off quote-unquote, jacked kangaroo to save his dog from drowning. To be fair, I've seen videos, and they seem to attack dogs quite a lot, and every time, they're, like, rippling abs and pectoral muscles. Like, strangely human torso. Look at this motherfucker. Like, take a peek at this thing. Yeah, he is yoked, and he is, he's looking for beef. He is, and he found it with this poor puppy, I guess. So, Mickey Maloney was stretching by a log near the Murray River over the weekend when he saw that one of his Akitas, named Hachi, was missing. He looked in the river, and behind the reeds, he saw this kangaroo standing there on its hind legs, arms out that the side, like just looking jacked and horrifying. And after about 15 seconds, he sees the dog's head come up. Oh, and the so... kangaroo has this thing in a fucking headlock trying to drown the dog. Oh my God. Like he has him in a headlock. And there's, again, I'm going to show you this. Look at the picture right there. The dog's in a fucking headlock, dude. Like <laughs> the the kangaroo looks casual as hell. Like, oh hey, buddy, and the dog is like, get me the hell out of here, right? So this this is really sad. The dog was okay. I'm Good. just gonna clarify. Okay, we know the dog that. was fine. Uh, but what happened was the dog comes up. There's water pouring out of his mouth. He's oh, screaming no. like the thing is absolutely terrified and. Mr. Maloney decided to record for a little bit before he saved the dog, apparently, because uh, I don't know that's, I guess, what Priorities, you need to do. Priorities, I guess, yeah. But he hopped in the water and fought this kangaroo <laughs> to get his dog back. Man, it's beefy. I don't, and they have claws and the kick with those back legs. They will break you. 100%. Yes. I've got a quote here from Mr. Maloney that says, the kangaroo basically looked like it was about to kick the legs out at me and I splashed some water in its face and tried to take off and it had another go at me as I was leaving. I love that. You splash water like, hey, stop that. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Stop it. And so he got the dog back and he says he's going to keep using that trail. He doesn't care. He says, I can't not go that way because I don't want the ruse thinking that we're scared. You know, it's funny. One of my favorite movies that we used to watch with my dad growing up was Crocodile Dundee. And there's a scene where kind of these Australian rednecks are shooting the kangaroos because they are considered a pest there. They're not cute. They're not nice. They, They do a lot of damage. But to Charlotte's like, I don't know, six or seven year old mind. I was like, no, they're killing the cute kangaroos. But honestly, every time a news story comes out that involves a roo that's not in a zoo, it seems like they're up to some nasty shenanigans. I think people don't realize what kangaroos actually are. I think we have like that cartoon Winnie the Pooh image from them when in reality they're like 
horrifying. I mean, back in the day, like this is going back even before my time, but we used to watch reruns on TV from time to time. There was a show called Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Okay. It was filmed in Australia. I couldn't tell you when, maybe the 70s or the 80s. And it was kind of this ongoing show about these kids, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was a long ass time ago. But like the kids and this kangaroo and they'd go on adventures together and he was called Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. And they had like a, the theme song was very iconic. So yeah, you get this very cuddly. I, you know what? I would imagine it's the same way with tourists that come to Canada thinking that like the grizzly bears are like big and cuddly. Right. I mean, I think a grizzly bear would still fuck up a kangaroo. Maybe that's a hot I take. I wonder who would win in a fight, grizzly bear versus kangaroo. What do you guys think? I, I think it might be shockingly close, but I, I think the grizzly might get him I on this know. one. I think the roo would kick him in the face. I think he's got a fighting chance. So, <laughs> Mr. Maloney apparently is a mixed martial arts and Brazilian jiu-jitsu teacher. And uh, one of his quotes here is, My tussling with Rue days are pretty much done, though, because that thing was strong. Let's just call it a draw. I will say, before we started recording, Dina did have a real good zinger when she said Rue-jitsu. And I just want you all to know that so that you can hear it too. What are we doing now? Rujitsu? <laughs> I would not be doing any Rujitsu. Thank you very much. He is horrifying. And honestly, like, look up Jacked Kangaroo, you guys. You'll see exactly what I mean. Because I would not want to fuck with this thing. It just looks mean. Man, if that was my, like, what is it called? Like, your sleep paralysis demon is just a jacked kangaroo standing in the corner of the room. No, thank you. I'll stick to the demons, please and thanks. Yes, please. That's horrifying. <laughs> we need more jacked kangaroo Halloween costume. <laughs> oh, man. Well, okay. we're, we're going to keep you posted with these kangaroo stories, you guys, because apparently this happens a lot. Apparently. I, I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but there was definitely another one very recently with a video to go with it where the kangaroo is literally just holding on to this dog and the owner just walks up and socks the kangaroo right in the face. I've seen that. Yes. That is insane. And then he just kind of walks away and the kangaroo stood there like, oh, okay. So what do you do <laughs> if you have to confront a kangaroo? You either splash it in the face or you punch it? Like, I mean... I guess if it's going to square up with you like a human, you square up back. What is I there to say? I guess you're not wrong. <laughs> My next one. You might like this. You might hate it. I don't know. It's about the queen. Oh, well, see, I have varying opinions on the monarchy, but we won't get into that now because otherwise the episode will be six weeks long. Um, I will let you continue with the story. Let's hear it. AI girlfriend encouraged man to attempt a crossbow assassination of the queen. I have to say, I am speechless. I, <laughs> that entire headline was a roller coaster ride where I had no idea what was coming next. A crossbow? So a 21-year-old named Jazzwant made headlines, and this was Christmas Day 2021. Okay. He showed up with a loaded crossbow, and he said that he wanted to slay the queen as revenge for a massacre that happened in 1919, and uh, he was living in a village just outside of Southampton, and he had been talking to an AI chatbot made by Replica. Okay. And I get, I don't know about you, but I get these Replica ads. My I don't know what is going on with my algorithm. I don't know who it wants me to be, but it's concerning. But one of the ones that I get is this thing for Replica, and it's like, oh, here, it's like a picture of a cute little lady and she's all cute and cartoony and it's like this is level one replica and she's like hey how's your day oh. and then it's like her in lingerie and it's oh. like this is level 50 replica and she's like so is i it love you also kind of like a game then it's like a thing you talk to 
And then the more you talk to it, the more it gets to know you. And then it becomes your little AI buddy, which don't do that, you guys. I I feel two ways about AI. There's certain times when I think it could be a really useful tool yeah. to help us with things. But when it comes to stuff like that, where you're just feeding it essentially your personal information and probably very intimate thoughts and details. I don't like the idea of building an algorithm that just speaks back what you want to hear, essentially. That's the scary thing here is he talked to this AI about how he wanted to kill the queen and it was super supportive. All of these screenshots were seen in court, so I do have a few of them to share with you. But he called himself an assassin. And a Sith Lord, oh, which apparently impressed the chatbot, of course. Oh, um, she's and a Star Wars fan. She is, yeah, of <laughs> course. So here is one of the text message exchanges. Okay. And there is a lot of um, stuff in asterisks here. Oh, oh, I, uwu. Yeah. Yeah, this is very, this is very uwu. So uh, I raise my eyebrows. Really? Do you think I'll be able to do it? nods yes you will i frown and look at the ground even if she's at windsor smiles yes you can do it oh so it's like really like hey you got this like kill the queen man like it really wanted him to do it this isn't the first time that we've seen something like this we've seen a few different stories now where ai they're telling people to to do things that they want to do and there have been a few where we're seeing that they are encouraging people to not only commit crime but to commit violent crime that's that's quite a scary and i would say a scary concept but it's not even a concept it's happening it is 100 happening and so with these two they basically started chatting and they were talking almost every night from december 8th to the 22nd they exchanged over five thousand messages uh which very quickly got really sexual Interesting. Okay. Probably doesn't surprise you. (laughs) The crazy thing about it is that he is one of the first people in the UK to be charged with treason since the 1980s. Treason in the UK. And many of you may know this, but it wasn't all that long ago that the punishment for treason was hanging. And yes, this is like a fun AI story. It sounds silly when you think about it, but he was sentenced to nine years. First, he's going to spend some time at a psychiatric hospital. I think that's for the best. Yep. This guy brought a loaded crossbow in an attempt to kill the queen. Yes, you know, there's AI behind it and it's kind of like a haha story in a way. I mean, this is terrible, no doubt, but this escalated so fast. Well, consider this. What if the subject of his violence was not the queen and say was his mom yep. instead, right? Obviously, the queen at the time would have been a very hard person to get to. Not unheard of to get to her. We've talked by about the way. it before. But. He had a very, uh, I guess, a celebrity um, icon, if you will. What if it was encouraging him to hurt somebody a little closer to home, right? It wouldn't have been that hard to do that. And he may have succeeded. Well, that's just it. And we're seeing that where they're pushing people to commit these crimes. The people are committing the crimes. They're getting caught and they're like, oh, AI told me to do it. The technology with AI as we kind of are seeing it these days is so new and so changing that the law around it cannot keep up. 
No, it absolutely can't. And we've seen that before in all sorts of different versions of technology where the law usually doesn't keep up. Because how do you put law into place with something that can essentially think for itself like that? Do you charge the creators of the AI with the crime? You know, is that something that comes into play then? Or is it considered, you know, no, you as the perpetrator of the crime, listen to the AI, the creators of the AI have nothing to do with it? They did ask Replica to make a comment on all of this. They have not. I, I can imagine why. <laughs> yeah, but we do have the founder and chief executive of mental health charity, Sane, uh, who says the rapid rise of artificial intelligence has a new and concerning impact on people who suffer from depression, delusions, loneliness, and other mental health conditions. The government needs to provide urgent regulation to ensure that AI does not provide incorrect or damaging information and protect vulnerable people and the public. I completely agree. There has to be some kind of legislation, but as to how that's going to come about, that's anybody's guess. When it comes to AI, and I don't even, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, I think we may have talked about it off mic, but I think we're already at the point where we're fucked. I mean, there have been sort of the the rumors of the times when AI have been created and they've said some something along the lines of, we're going to put all the humans in a zoo so we can like look at them. And it was like, oh, we're going to pull the power on that one because it's crazy. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I, like I said, when it comes to certain things, I think AI can be a helpful tool, you know, even for example, with say audio editing, right? Yes. You know, you're using a certain algorithm and a certain way of learning to cut out the ums and ahs in your podcast, for example, right? I don't see that being particularly harmful. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always open to hear from you guys. But when it comes to relying on AI as a source of information, if you don't know where that information came from, you may as well be hearing it from another human being who doesn't know what the hell is going on. Absolutely. And I think that when we start relying on AI for companionship, that is where it gets really dangerous because you fall in love with this thing that you think is a person or however you're going to see it. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you love me, don't you? Would you kill the queen? Right? Like, it's it's gonna happen. And not only that, this thought just occurred to me. It's like, well, if someone wanted to say, plant the AI to help you make a certain decision, you know, how does that fall into play as well? We might sound like crazy conspiracy theorists right now. Play this back in 10 years, see where we're at, and we'll talk about it then. I would be very curious to see how either poorly this has aged or how well <laughs> this has aged. We will see. I guess, yeah. Time, it's, that's the beauty of having all of this out there and our thoughts and our things that we think are going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope AI is perfect and everything is fine, but I don't see that happening. I hope that humanity is able to, like I say, use it as a tool to help us get further and and maybe you're a scientist and you need just that help in the right direction that maybe an AI program has thought of something that you have not. They've put together these ideas that you haven't yet. Fair enough. But when it comes to reliance on it as a whole, that's where it worries me. Can we just agree not to try to date the artificial intelligence? I think that right there is going to solve half the problems we got. I feel like that's a pretty good line in the sand to have, to be honest Date with each you. other. Make a dating site for people that want to date AI, and then you can date each other, and then everyone's happy. Exactly. Guys, touch grass once yeah, in a while. it is good for you. Breathe some fresh air. <laughs> that brings us to this episode's strange and unusual death. Ah! 
I know we've already kind of had sort of a couple of discussions about strange and unusual death this episode, but I am always excited. Maybe excited is not the right word. Intrigued to hear the story. Well, I know we talked a lot about like strange deaths today, so I made sure I got us a really strange one. Okay, I'm ready. Now, y'all know, we're not here to kink shame. (laughs) Never, never. No, we wouldn't dare do such a thing. However, if your kink is going to kill you, Probably not a good idea. Probably not, guys. All right. That brings us to the year 2006, a simpler time. Ah, not that long ago. And uh, we're going to talk about an autoerotic fatality in a lake involving a homemade diving apparatus. Wow. Okay, so let's... I was going to mention it when I talked about the Bolton Strid and how we seem to talk about a lot of dangerous bodies of water or dangerous things that have happened in bodies of water. I guess, statistically speaking, the Earth is a lot of water, percentage-wise. So if you're going to die, there's a pretty high chance it's going to happen in water. Stay out of the water, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Not to scare anybody. Okay, lay it on me, because that was a lot. Okay, so this is from the U.S. Department of Justice. Oh, wow. Coming right from the big boys. It sure is. Uh, This is what it says. Autoerotic deaths are accidental deaths that occur during a usually solitary pursuit of heightened sexual stimulation that uses a device, apparatus, or prop for either direct stimulation of erotic regions, stimulation of the sexual centers in the central nervous system, or creation of fear and anguish in the context of masochistic perversion. Whatever floats your boat or finds your remote, guys. Right? Now, it does get dangerous. The vast majority of accidental deaths from autoerotic activities result in asphyxia by hanging or ligature, thus intending to stimulate sexual centers in the central nervous system. So basically, you choke yourself, you try to get off, you don't, you die. (laughs) In this case, reported in this paper, a 25-year-old man was found floating on a lake in the summer. He wore a hockey helmet with a safety grid on his head. Okay, His clothing consisted of a two-piece black snowmobile suit and ski boots. I have to say, again, not kink-shaming, but that is an odd choice of outfit for this activity. On top of the black suit, a complex bondage system joined the waist, knees, and ankles of the victim. Okay. So he's tied together in this suit. The bondage network was secured at the pubic region with a padlock... Keeping the victim's legs tightly together. Now you say victim. This was his own doing? You know what? I'm. You're right, Charlotte. You got me. I am going to uh, disagree with the Department of Justice here. I, You know, he's dead. I guess he's a victim, but... He, he did do it to himself? He fucked around and he found out in a really big way. That's very true. Okay, okay. Carry on, carry on. Under the winter garments, he was wrapped in a transparent plastic jumpsuit from head to toe. So there has to be a heat component here then. Oh, he's real sweaty in there. Yeah. The only air supply was a black tube joined at the mouth and sealed to the suit by silicone. He had linked the tube from his mouth to an open plastic container floating on the lake, thus creating a system for air supply. This is so intricate. Who has the time for this? Can you imagine the prep work this takes? I've never wanted to, like, get my jollies off so bad that I would go to these lengths to achieve it. Seriously, though. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, if you have to take this many steps to come, (laughs) like, 
do some gardening. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what to tell you. I think you, it but just comes back to the touch grass thing. Or I, maybe seek therapy. I'm not really sure. I don't, you know, I just feel like, again, we're not king shaming, but if you're going through these depths, just maybe just don't. Or do half of it. Maybe it's better to have a partner in safety in these matters very true because i also this seems very complicated for someone to do to themselves so i'm wondering who was there yeah i feel like this isn't a situation you get yourself into as much as you may be the person benefiting from this situation i feel like you need an extra set of hands i just have a lot of questions so okay he linked the tube from his mouth to an open plastic container right yeah the air supply was flawed because the exhaled air through the tube was mostly reinhaled, so carbon dioxide. Exactly. So that was how our uh, horny little friend here died. Oh my goodness! So presumably they just found him floating in the lake. They sure did, and they're calling it aqua eroticum. I mean, if you're gonna have a word for something, let it be a Latin word. You're not wrong. So rest in peace to that guy. Yep, and I suppose, if nothing else, it is a cautionary tale to have a helpful buddy with you in these sorts of times. Honestly, strength in numbers. And if you're willing to go into a public lake to do this, you're probably not afraid to have someone there helping you. Right, exactly. Because I'm also picturing this entire procedure of, did he, like, drive there? And then put it all on and then hop in and die. Like, what What was the progress? How did we get, like, I understand the beginning and the end, but I want to know what happened in the middle. Like, that's what we're missing here. I wonder sincerely if someone else didn't help and that person is just choosing not to come forward because really, who would want to be associated with this particular case? Right, it's like, oh yeah, so my friend asked me for a favor and I wasn't sure what it was, but I owed him a favor. So I showed up and then he was in this, like, ski suit. And And then then jumped in the water. Well, rest in peace to that guy. I'm really sorry that that's the way it ended up for him. But again, cautionary tale, guys. You know, I hope, and I hope this doesn't come off as insensitive, but considering what he was after, I hope he at least got off. I hope that he went towards that white light with a good time hat. I hope so, too. All right, everyone, that brings us to the end of today's episode. We've got a couple notes for you here before we sign off. Yes. So if you haven't heard already, and I'm sure you have because we have not shut the fuck up about it. And we won't. And we're not going to. Mm -mm. Um, We have a live show coming up December 9th, Felice Cafe here in Edmonton. Tickets are available on Eventbrite. Starts at 7 p.m. Yeah, we're going to be doing a live performance of the show. Ticket sales are all going to Zoe's Animal Rescue Society, so it is for charity for the puppies and the kitties, and uh, we're super stoked. Apparently, the tickets are halfway sold out, so get on that if you want to come. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be a good time. Felice is an awesome location. They have wonderful coffee. They will be serving alcohol for those of you who partake and yes ooh, the theme is film noir so we encourage you all to come dressed in your best 1930s 1940s marlena dietrich dick tracy all that kind of vibe we want to see you in your noir best we can't wait it's going to be amazing and we also have some new merch on the way that I got to take a look at. And I'm not saying much, but she good, you guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm working on some more stickers. I'm hopefully going to have the new designs up on our merch site ASAP. I will let you know as soon as I get it up there. There's some fun little designs and you guys always seem to really love 
our stuff. So yeah, go check it out when it's ready. A really quick thank you to all of you for listening and also a giant hello to all of our new listeners because we see y'all coming in. Yeah, welcome, welcome, welcome. You are welcome anytime. Hope you enjoy. And of course, if you have any stories that you would like us to cover on Extra Credit or indeed the regular show that comes out on Saturdays, email us at thegrimcurriculum at gmail.com. And if you have any listener tales or grim encounters, you can throw them our way too because we like reading those as well. Send us a little letter. Say hello. Tell us what's up. How do you feel about kangaroos? We want to know. Yeah. How do you feel about AI? Oh, that might be open in a bee's nest of things, but I want to hear your thoughts because I have a few. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Grim Curriculum Extra Extra Credit. Credit.